This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of November 29th, the final week of Turkey Month. I'm your host, D-Swab, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Todd Turner, getting inducted next year. Kevin Kovac and Kyle McFadden. And Todd, how was your Thanksgiving? Really quick, we'll go around the room. Uh, Do you have some good turkey and stuffing? Are you really a turkey guy? A lot of... uh, People on social media is saying, like, turkey's overrated, that we should have other stuff on Thanksgiving. But what's your overall thoughts on the turkey, and how was your Thanksgiving? I mean, I'm not, like, crazy about turkey, but Thanksgiving, you know, what are you going to do? You got you to gotta eat. You had a couple of different Thanksgiving meals, and our families got together. Then we had a family photo shoot also. So um, I'll pass those photos along to you guys to see um, see how we looked. We have 12 – I have 12 grandnephews and nieces, which is – Hard to believe. So it's a it's a wide angle photo. Uh, I was going to say I didn't know if you were doing photos for your shoot for the Hall of Fame pictures that they're going to put in the program. But nonetheless, I'm glad you had a great great time there with the family. It's always good to uh, get together on a special holiday. Kyle, how was uh, your uh, Thanksgiving? You have some hoops. Did you coach some hoops as well? A lot of Thanksgiving tournaments going on. Yeah, not this year. I, years in the past, we would always have like a tournament leading into Thanksgiving. Not this year for like whatever reason, but no, mine was good as well. We took some photos too, and uh, I made sure to wear my my nice blue sweater, which has made an appearance on this podcast too before. So um, yeah, so but no, it was really good. Um, one of the best, if not the best, Thanksgivings I've had. Just uh, have met a lot of people over the past few years outside of family. And so had a Friendsgiving that Wednesday night before. And uh, my old high school um, had Thanksgiving practice too. So went over to go see them. They invite all the alumni out. And it was good to see a lot of old friends and old coaches and people that I've known for a long time. So um yeah i couldn't have asked for a better week honestly so yeah dress to impress on thanksgiving i love it i love when you dress to impress when you come on the podcast especially now that we're video and everybody gets to see each other and people that watch online get to see our beautiful faces uh kovac it's kind of like groundhog day for you on thanksgiving at least the last six years right for you (laughs) tough 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 loss for those lions at Uh. home I don't know. It's just tough for you on Thanksgiving here, in the at least the start of the century. Yeah, uh, yeah. You come in. The Lions come in eight and two on Thanksgiving Day. Figured this could be the first time since 2016 that they win one, but no, didn't happen. They did another clunker <laughs> on there, you know. And the, even the halftime show was horrible with the Louisville boy Jack Harlow, right? Right, Todd I said to Todd, easy, he's a Louisville easy. guy. I thought, I mean, but he come out there and it was no, no low energy. Just felt like the Lions playing that game. Just wasn't a very, I mean, there was a lot of comments on him after that. But uh, yeah, what do you ate some good food though, so everything else was good. But just not the not the happy uh, Lions victory we were hoping for. But I can't complain. Eight and three. They've never been eight and three on Thanksgiving in uh, sixty years. And not in my lifetime have they been eight and three on Thanksgiving. So I have to take that. I just have to look look on the bright side that they're they're still in first place. <laughs> yeah, still in first place. The Bears took care of business with the Vikings on Monday night. So you gotta you gotta still the same lead that you did going into Thanksgiving. Uh, but keep your head up, Kovac. It's okay. Uh, you know they're they're, they're still pretty co- solid. But I mean, 
the halftime show with Dolly Parton, that was a show, I think. I mean, man, oh, man, she looking good. At How old is she now, 77? She looked like she was a cheerleader. Yeah, she had her Dallas Cowboy cheerleader outfit on, right? The Suave, yeah. So uh, uh, I, I saw some comment about that, like a tweet uh, or somebody put out, um, like a comment about Dolly Parton, and it said, man, my my uh, grandma at 77 years old looked like Keith Richards, and all she did was worry about uh, hard candy and having in the house and anything that got on the carpet. And here's Dolly Parton in a, in a Cowboys cheerleader outfit at 77, so – little different right so (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure about that uh i had a good thanksgiving as well uh it snowed on sunday uh so snowmobile season in illinois at least uh got like two or three inches and now it's like zero degrees wind chill so winter just comes right up on us here in the final week of november uh guys we had that news that come out yesterday about or today, yeah, yesterday or today, I guess, depending on when we recorded it, uh, with Earl Pearson Jr. splitting ways with Jason Papich uh, next season. Um, he was still on vacation, so we haven't reached out to him at least at the time of the recording of what his plans are for next year. But the four-time Lucas Oil champion, the former World 100 winner, I'm sure he's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, uh, is 51. And kind of maybe what we're going to talk about today is, you know, when guys get to around 50, it's a lot harder to maybe find another ride if you part ways. It's a lot harder maybe to get your name out there. It's maybe the time like we saw with Don O'Neill when he was close to that low 50s range to, you know, hang it up when he left to play Boyer racing. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, we have outliers like Bloomquist, Dale McDowell, and Billy Moyer. But, Kovac, do you think maybe right around that 50 range, if you don't have anything in place that – Maybe it's time to look back in the mirror. And we're not saying this with anything with uh, what the plans are with Earl Pearson Jr. He still could race next year. But just overall in our sport in general, when you get to that 50, a good milestone, is it time maybe to, you know, hang it up to retire? How hard is it to maybe just find a ride and, you know, try to get something in place for the upcoming season? Well, it is definitely tough. Uh, The closer you get to – in any sport, the older you get, the – the, the bigger chance that, hey, maybe things could be diminishing, you know, the talents could be diminishing or uh, or your success could be diminishing. And and Pearson, I mean, that's a he, he's been racing the, the Lucas Oil Series for 19 straight years. Uh, he is the he's like synonymous with the Lucas Oil Series. Um, most starts of anybody on that tour. Um, and but he hasn't produced the the, the wins in the in the last few years. Yeah. He uh he had that year back with the black diamond you know black diamond house car I think of 2018 19 I believe it was um when you look back at it, yeah 2018 you know you had that dirt million victory at a at Mansfield had a really good season uh, multiple wins um but since then you know he 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 struggled a little bit with the end of the black diamond deal and then he went to and he goes over to Jason Papich, who's a buddy of his. I mean, he had known him from uh, when Papich ran the Lucas Oil Series back in 2014. Uh, and Papich, you know, had a, had a team out there in the Midwest already for him, for himself, to go run some MLRA races. And he just expanded that to bring on his buddy uh, Pearson, who had the Lucas Oil sponsorship also. And, and they started off pretty good. You know, they had a good season, the good finish to the 2021 season, uh, you know, those last few races when they hooked up. Uh, but he only won one race in 2022, that $50,000 at Port Royal. And then he, but he went from 15 top fives in 2022 
to just three this year. And, and if you start having that kind of, you know, you know, falling back to earth kind of, and it, it's, it's tough to, for a team to keep going, you know, everybody could talk about the economy and, and all this, all they can, all they want. But uh, uh, if, if you're not producing, you know, the team is probably not going to continue on a dry, an owner is not going to continue shelling out the money, especially an owner, like Jason Papich with like three kids, young kids who are doing a lot of traveling with their sports and everything. And, and so it's hard for a 50 year old plus driver, if they're not going to be producing to stay out there on the tour. So now we have to see, does Earl Pearson continue on? He still has probably, he has good connections with Lucas Oil. Maybe they, uh, you know, that sponsorship continues on. He can take it to somewhere else. Um, but if it's not a friend like Jason Papich was, will someone, you know, when you get over 50, do you get that opportunity to go get another ride? Will some owner that is looking for a driver want to have a 50 year old driver or do they want to get one of these young guys that are really on the gas and in, in the, in the new wave. So, uh, it puts, it puts these drivers in a different, you know, it, it's, it's a scary realm probably for them too. I mean, Earl's been racing so long. He doesn't, and he, he, it's probably hard for him to picture not racing. So, uh, it's, but it becomes harder, harder and harder to, to get that ride once you get to a certain age. Yeah, definitely for sure about that. Uh, like you said, just didn't have the numbers that he liked to put up this season. He had that big 50 grade and went at Port Royal, like you said earlier. Uh, Todd, you've been in the sport for a good amount. What's it like for a driver, you think, though, when they see the light at the end of the tunnel where they're like, oh, man, I, I don't know. I think it's hard for any athlete. I think it's harder for any person in a job that still thinks they can do something but you know when the time you know but at the end of the day father time is usually undefeated i'm sure it's hard for guys that you know are in their late 40s uh high 50s when you know maybe a team owner you know passed on or maybe a team owner is saying we're going to shut down the operations for that driver to come up with something even though at the end of the day in their heart they could say like hey i still could get this done i wish i could still go race and i think i need to go race I think it's it's a big mix of all the things that you've got going on in your life. You know, do you have kids or grandkids in Earl's case? Or um, do you still have that drive to get out there and race hard and travel and do all the stuff that it takes to become a race, uh, to stay with a busy race team on a national tour? Uh, you know, there's lots, lots of it to it. Uh, lots of guys clearly just don't want to do it anymore or start losing that. I don't know, I would say it's probably often in the late 40s that, um, you know, that drive to be out there all the time. You know, you have different priorities as you age. All of us do, you know. You say it's harder to get a ride. I say it's harder to get out of bed, you know, things like that. But, um, uh, you know, we certainly have guys in the sport now who are doing well. Bill McDowell is 57. And I think the way he's done it maybe is is a little bit of a uh, uh, a pattern to watch. You know, he hasn't raced. You know, really, he started scaling back probably about about 15 years ago. He kind of started easing. Of course, he's got his brother Shane, who's running that team, and and kind of you know, kind of their enthusiasm together can keep that going. Uh, but but Dale doesn't race as much as those other guys. He's a little more selective, and he's still been successful. You know, we may be looking at Dale as the guy who's most successful after 50 uh, of any driver. 
Um, you know, Moyer's still going. Uh, you know, Moyer's one of those guys, he's never going to quit kind of thing. Where you have other guys, they get to their, you know, late 40s or whatever, and you can tell they've just kind of lost the uh, uh, lost the enthusiasm to do it uh, and or the ride and or the ability to get the money together to have a successful team. So it's, um, um, you know, there, there's a lot of components to it for sure. It's a sport that some years ago we saw lots of guys in their upper 40s who were really successful. We've seen a little bit of a change in the last couple of years with now these guys who were in their 20s and early 30s are really at the top of their game. Uh, and kind of pushing some of these older guys uh, uh, maybe maybe to the brink or, or pushing them uh, out of the way uh, as a new generation arrives. Yeah, and Kyle, I think with the new generation, just the way the race cars are now, you have to get up on the wheel. I feel like it's more of a younger man's sport than maybe it was 15, 20 years ago that we saw. Yeah, totally. Actually, I was just coming through our top 25 and just to see kind of, you know, who's who and where uh, kind of the age brackets stack up. And uh, you know, you have Chris Madden, he's 48, Tim McCready, he's 49, Mike Marther, he's 45, Dale McDowell, he's 57, Dennis Herb, he's 51, uh, Brian Shirley, I think he's 42. And then Jimmy Owens, he's 51. Everybody else, outside of that list, like Jonathan Davenport, like he's the oldest outside of those guys now at, at 40, but everyone else is either in their twenties or in their thirties. So, um, I found that interesting. And then also too, um, you know, there's, there's only, I was looking back at last year's top 25 and there's two drivers, um, ages now 48 and above who were in the top 25 last year who didn't appear there in our last poll this year and that is Earl Pearson and then Shane Clanton too uh he's 48 we don't know what he's going to do next year so um I I just think like yeah like where do the chips fall with those two guys who knows like as like Kevin said we're not putting Earl Pearson out to the pastures and I'm not trying to put Shane Clanton out there also, but it's just like, you know, where do those two guys fall now going in the next year, especially after last year, like, like I wouldn't have guessed that Earl Pearson or Shane Clanton would be outside of our top 25 um, at the end of this year. But as you said, Derek, yeah, times are changing. And the tires too. I really felt like if you look at if you look at kind of the trends this year and and who won like the most races, who was uh, um, repeatedly uh, ran up front, didn't go through ebbs and flows. Um, you know, like the older guys or the the more experienced guys, uh, they started really slow this year, right? Um, so, uh, you also look at that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like the cycles of the sport. Um, I think it'll be telling for next year as to, you know, who's, who's really like in the limelight and, um, you know, is this a trend that's going to continue 
on. I mean, but um, yeah, so um, there's been a change in other guard for sure. And like, I remember where, when like I was a little kid and I met Earl Pearson Jr. I mean, like every Lucas Oil event that I was at as a kid, like, you know, my one goal was to try to meet Earl Pearson in the pits or at like the driver's autograph sessions. And so to like remember trying to fathom like if next year is it to where like he's not going to be racing on that national tour or racing period, like who knows? Uh, I hope he does. But like now the thought enters your mind. Um, oh, shoot. Like, you know, is this it? But um I hope not for him, but I mean, those are kind of like the things that run through my mind, especially since like watching him since I was a little boy. So. Yeah, Derek's muted for the first time this week. Um, yeah, exactly. Oops. Uh, I had Derek, hey, Derek, I had a, I had a friend that I talked to, you know, it's a modified guy. But he, um, you know, he lives in our hometown, New Jersey, and he came up and visited when I was at my mother's. And he says he watches the show. He watches the podcast. He's like, man, that Derek, he's at least once a week. He's he's muted. What? what? He always is muted at least one time a week. And I'm like, he does. Well, I mean, you know, he, that, like, yeah, they, hey, you know, I just got to know. I don't he want knows like loud. Swap. I don't want loud clutter noises <laughs> like the garbage trucks when they're driving by or anything like that. My room, my uh, office is not fully soundproof like it would be in a studio. So sometimes I uh I wish you could put up, a little I, picture, I, a little thing on your computer like says, you know, remember hey, to unmute. Yes, you know? yes, remember to unmute. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, what I was saying is like, you know, Kyle saying like he remembers like his earliest memories of watching, you know, Earl Pearson Jr. at Lucas Oil Races. I mean, my memories is still, of you know, Billy Moyer, Scott Bluquist, Shane and Bab, uh, you know, when I was in, Grade school, junior high, and high school. Jason Fager, Ryan Unzicker of the Worlds for Summer Nationals. I see Bobby Pierce when he was like 12 years old. He's still racing, uh, and you know, like 15 years later. Uh, that's something we don't see in other sports, Kovac. Like people need to realize that they've been in this sport for 30 some years. That is a long, long time. And I think sometimes when people will overreact, like, "Oh my gosh, the." Costs of racing's going up. Like we're going to see a lot of race teams losing because they're, you know just the economy and stuff like that. But thirty some years is a long time for somebody to race. Forty years for other guys. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is like I, for me, I'm thirty four years old. I haven't really seen like a generation retire of racing. Yeah, we've had a few like Don O'Neills of the world, you know, say, hey, we're calling it quits, but. In a in normal sport, to be like the third or fourth generation retiring right now. Like Michael Jordan, he was like three, you know, two generations ago. Like that's what's crazy about dirt late model racing is like I'm 34 years old and I have yet to see like a whole generation retire of like my earliest memory of guys when I was like seven or eight years old. Yeah, longevity in a, in a dirt late model or, or really any, a lot of any of these uh uh, you know, in short track racing, it could be very long. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a, uh, it's as, it's as much of a drive. If you have, you can go as long as you feel like you can have that drive to do it. Um, but it depends on the level. I mean, there's going to be a point where maybe you can't, you, you, you have to admit that you can't do it on the national level maybe. 
when you, when you get to that point, like Billy Moyer, he's not racing full-time on a national level and he hasn't done that for, you know, more than a decade. I mean, it was a decade ago where he kind of said he was uh, semi-retiring or retiring from full-time racing and, and he's still doing, you know, 60 races, 70 races a year. Um, but not running, he's not chasing a national tour, you know, or anything like that. Uh, so that you, you get to that point and, and you, and you kind of could make a, have to, you know, you, you scale back. It's almost like you go back to the, like, uh, you know, a, a, a professional athlete, maybe they're continuing on, but they're going to go back to the independent leagues or something, come out of the major leagues and, but they still love it so much that they're going to continue, um, you know, but it's the physical ability, you know, it, it stays with a race car driver longer than it does with a, a driver, a, another athlete in another sport. Um, it, it's, it's probably maybe now it's getting a little bit different. I mean, with the way you, you do talk about the cars, you got to be up on the wheel so much more, it seems like now. Uh, and there's a lot of races and, um, and, and to these younger guys, they probably do have a, have an advantage there. Uh, I mean, I, I talked to, there was one driver this year that kind of was at a race, I think, uh, and he was complaining after the race that these young guys, they, they don't care about their equipment. You know, they just, they have so much money in their cars and they just, they'll beat it to the ground, run them on the cushion. And, and I'd said to him, I'm like, well, you, you used to do that. You know, you used to, you know, and this is a guy that didn't, it wasn't like he didn't have a good equipment. And he, and he's like, I mean, you used to do it. You used to be out there hard racing and everything. And he's like, well, you know, I can only do it for 25 laps now. So, I mean, like when <laughs> you think about it, when they start saying that, I mean, there's a, that wasn't old Pearson either. When he's just a, just continue. We are talking about him, but, um, but yeah, they do get to that point where like a driver is getting older and, and they're not going to be able to, and the physical toll is going to be pretty, pretty hefty on them and uh so maybe they have to find that right spot where that sweet spot of like how many races they do where they race kind of like a dale mcdowell's is like a really good example uh, you know he hasn't raised dale hasn't raced a full-time national tour in more than a decade i mean i think the lucas i mean 2010 around there i think it was was the last time he he ran full-time with a national tour pretty much as a pick and choose since then you know go where he wants to and you know focus on those eldora races for his big stuff and um, and, and that might have to be, if, you know, like it, it's might be like the, the thought for, for when, uh, you know, when you're going down on the back end of the career, uh, to keep yourself a longevity, make it extend your career even, uh, rather than trying to beat your head against the wall, going against I mean, Maybe we'll see it. Like we'll have to see what happens like with a Jimmy Owens too. Um, you know, he's, he just says, uh, you know, past the 50, uh, range and he didn't run the the Lucas Oil Series this year. He didn't run a national tour. Um, was still putting this new team together, getting the, t the team kind of rolling and stuff. Um, will he be back on a national tour next year, or is, or will he do that more of a Dale McDowell kind of thing? And as, as he uh, he climbs into his fifties, we'll have to see. Todd, I would think ten years ago, when like you know older guys retired. They, we would be like, okay, Shane and Babs, Fagers of the world, they're in their 30s. Now that they're, you know, in their 40s, some of them going to their 50s. I know Bab turns 50 on December 24th. Are we concerned that we'll have enough younger guys to replace all these guys? Or do you think it's just kind of like those ebbs and flows? Because I, I would think like 20 years ago, I don't think anybody in the racing world would be concerned about that. But should we be a cause of concern maybe in like 5, 10 years when those guys in their 40s are over retiring? Or do you think we'll be okay? 
I don't think so. I think maybe because we've seen those guys for so long be such a generational uh, bunch, like right. the guys, those Illinois crowd you're mentioning, many of those guys of a similar age. Uh, I think we're going to see younger guys come along. Now, are they immediately going to be as good as Bobby Pierce was when he's young or Brandon Shepard? Maybe not. But we'll have uh, guys that come along. And definitely, as we mentioned, this this year is uh, um, uh, the, the younger guys overall are shining. I think it was maybe an outlier some years ago when we used to look at it and think, wow, look at all these guys that are in their 40s and above that are still winning all these races. Uh, and that was true, but that's turning a little bit now, and I think we're going to have more younger guys. Now, one, one point I wanted to make, we, we've talked about this before, like with Pierce, who's, I guess, 27, and a guy that's in his 20s doing well, you're like, wow, he's going to go and break all the records and have the most wins <laughs> of anybody. But but it's it's hard to envision 10 or 15 or 20 years from now what – what that person is going to want to do, what the priorities of that person is, you know, are they going to be like Billy Moyer where they want to race to the very end? Uh, or are they going to be somebody that um, they have other priorities? They start another business. They have children and want to do things with their family more. You know, it's, it's not always you're going to have a, a long career, even though that's available more in racing than other sports. Uh, not everybody, just because they excel when they're in their 20s, wants to be doing that when they're 50 years old. Uh, and we'll see, you know, that's that time will tell on all that stuff. But it's interesting uh, uh, to see the uh, the different paths that drivers take over time. You know, definitely age is going to catch up with you and the fact of, I think, eyesight and reflexes um, and maybe just the as we say, you know, getting up on the wheel and that kind of thing, that's, that's going to catch up with everybody some sooner than others. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch And You know, as you mentioned, a lot of your guys, the guys you followed your throughout your career, your life, you know, they're still all of racing where I, I did notice, I don't know, maybe it's been 10 or 12 years ago when guys started to retire, who I felt like had been, kind of my generation of race. Right. It's kind of like, it was a little bit of a check, like, like, whoa, it's like, wait, I remember when that guy was, was young, he was the new guy or whatever. <laughs> so it is uh, interesting to watch uh, as, as, as generation goes on. And now, you know, I used to be the little kid and the, I felt like a little kid in the pits interviewing like these, you know, older guys. I was kind of intimidated and now I'm having to go up to teenagers and try to drag a quote out of them. So, so life has changed for both on both ends here. Yeah. And also right back to you, Todd, kind of like the Dale McDowell approach, uh, Billy Boyer, when he kind of went off the road, he won like 25 summer nationals races in like four years after, you know, he's saying he was, semi-retired uh jimmy owens he kind of stepped back and went regionally this year and had some speed and success so i think it's time and point two where you're like okay maybe we need to hop off the national schedule stop traveling a whole bunch we can end up these regional shows and still be successful and get some wins and you know maybe when we go to those crown jewels that are close to home we can you know compete for a win yeah, lots of guys have done that. You know, Chubb Frank and Rick Eckert come to mind. Clint Smith is retired from racing now, but he, he for a few years, went back to uh, Georgia tracks and excelled. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's kind of uh, like Kevin was saying. It's like they go out of the major leagues, kind of go down into uh, uh, another uh, – find another venue where they can compete uh, and still occasionally uh, maybe have a big win 
uh, you know, when the national tour rolls to town. But uh, but I think getting off the road is a big part of it. Once you get off the road, I think it's hard to go back. You know, when you're in that groove of traveling, it's it's miserable. I think we all can all agree. But when you're in the groove of it, you can kind of like live it. But once you come off of that road, I think it's uh, for those guys to even think about, oh, my goodness, going back on a national tour would be uh, would be uh, something uh, a step too far when those guys are in their upper 40s or early 50s. Do you agree with that, Kyle? Yeah, for sure. I, I just think, um, I mean, the dynamic has changed. I feel, I mean, not I feel it's just it's. There's more racing now than ever before. And in order to be like, we've talked about it many a times on here in order to really like be at your peak, to be at your stride, to keep, not even be at your stride, just to keep up, right. To tread, to stay above water. Like you have to be racing gosh darn near almost every weekend. And if you're not racing every weekend, you better be in the shop trying to figure out how to be faster, how to be quicker, how to be more effective. And it's, um, it just leads very little leeway and, and, and time I would guess off the track. And so, you know, I would have to put myself in somebody's shoes. If you're older or have run the gauntlet and have put in your time and have made a good living for yourself too. I mean, it's a, it's a, there are not at the end of the day, there are compared to the thousands of racers out there on dirt, and short track racers across the country. I mean, there's, there's very few who have done it successfully for a long period of time. And I made a good living at it too. So it's just like when you get to a guy like Earl Pearson, like, I hope he continues on, but what if he doesn't, right? I mean, he's had a, a tremendous career. Um, and so up to this point, and so, I mean, I wouldn't fault him or blame him if he chooses to, to go in another direction, or maybe he stays in racing and races on like a limited basis or continues on full time. I think that's an exciting thing for him too, right? Uh, you have to look at the other aspect of it. I know that Darren Pittman uh, in sprint car racing, um, I mean, he retired, retired from full time racing um, at the height uh or, or like right on the back end of his prime and uh but he took a business venture in racing uh he runs ultra shields out of texas uh it's a it's a business um that sells like safety products in racing based in austin texas so or uh near austin texas and so so i mean there's just all these different aspects that you have to i would have to imagine that you would have to consider and contemplate um outside of driving so um you know if you meet a crossroads or if you're in a in a spot like earl pearson or even josh richards comes to mind too right like we don't even know what he's doing these days um i was texting josh a little bit earlier this year but haven't you know been in touch with him since so it's just like you know guys they come and go uh, they go sooner than what we expect some guys they they never seem to leave and they'll never probably leave um and so yeah it's just it's fascinating i think to look at kind of the motives and the why behind all these racers lives and 
you know, it's really like the why behind their lives. And, um, but you know, it goes back to, I just feel like on social media, people, they freak out, they see a team like, you know, Jason Pappage, um, you know, it's, it's, it's yes. Like in a perfect world, we would love to see that team continue on, but there's other factors in, you know, Jason's life too, that we need to consider. And also like, they they didn't win at all this past year. I think Kevin said like a handful of top fives, if that. I mean, that's really difficult to continue on, right, from a financial standpoint. So, I mean, people just need to realize you have to produce um, at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, not even a quarter or a sixteenth or of just like national touring teams have shut down. I mean, there's only been a handful, right, if that. So, like, people just – need to relax. Um, the sport's still in a good place. We still have plenty of teams and personalities out there to keep the sport rolling. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a reality check. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, everybody has their own why. Um, and we'll just have to see where a guy like Earl Pearson goes from here. Last thing, Kovac. Uh, the way how much these guys are making the last few years, they're setting themselves up uh, pretty well financially. You know, we had three guys make a million dollars this year. JD, two million last year. Uh, you know, Sheppy and uh, Overton were close. Like, guys are making some good money there. Uh, you know, and if, you know, take care of their money during those big seasons. I think one that sticks out to me was talking to Jonathan Davenport at Knoxville, turns one and two. During one lap, one beer, I'll never forget. I said, JD, do you see yourself racing in five years? And he point blank asked me, like, well, Swab, do you see me? And I said, I think you're a guy that could, you know, go right off in the sunset. I think you have set yourself up like successfully post racing that you can just hang it up anytime. I know he has that ranch right now, he has other things that he's venturing into. So part of it is guys maybe don't have to race until they're 50. I think we're getting smarter as a society, I hope of saving that money if you have successful seasons like these guys, and B, if you have three or four good seasons like Bobby Pierce, who's a car owner and owns everything, you know, he's making probably more than what Billy Moyer did in his whole career. Exactly. That's a, that's a, it's a great point where uh, uh, so many of the drivers that, you know, in, in like in their 50s now or 60s and 70s, um, guys that have, you know, the Freddie Smiths and, and so many others, uh, they kind of had to keep racing, you know, I mean, they, they didn't have seasons. They mean, they made good, some good money, probably, you know, in that 200 grand range, um, you know, like at least their portion of it would have been, you know, half of that, you know, like 30% or 40% or whatever they were racing for. I mean, they had some really good years, but they didn't have the kind of years that guys are capable of now. I mean, you have a million dollar season, Ricky Thornton Jr. If he's getting 30% or whatever it is, I mean, that's a Hudson O'Neill as a 23 year old getting, you know, you know, almost mid six figures uh, in a season at this age. Uh, those guys that have come before him, Don O'Neill wasn't making that much money at that point, you know, in his career and, uh, and, and never made that much money in one year. It, it's, it's a lot like, you know, any other, other sport. I mean, there's a lot of NBA players and baseball players from way back that were like, man, I wish I would have played in this era. I would have made so much more money, you know, and uh, with these race, a lot of the drivers, they've just had to go longer 
because they had to keep they they weren't able to put enough away. Some of them weren't, uh, you know, they weren't great with their money. There's a lot of race car drivers over the years that probably weren't very, uh, very good with their money and saving it for for looking ahead. You know, they thought like you know it's like kind of went like, hey, this is just going to go on forever. This great seasons and uh, that I'm having. Uh, but now there's there's drivers have more of a probably a opportunity now to to put money away um if they're smart with it and um and that's gonna prolong i mean make uh, not prolong careers could shorten careers because they don't have to go racing uh until the bitter end you know like if they start uh, you know getting burned out if they start getting so they don't have to push through that i mean they might just love it enough to they want to continue but they might not they might realize, hey, well, I've, I've actually, I got a nice nest egg here now. I've got a nice retirement put away I, I, that I could live on um, without having to just keep racing down this road till I'm, uh, you know, till I'm uh, up in my 50s. Yeah, great points there as always. Uh, hopefully, we can get uh, the four-time Lucas Oil champion back on the back on the tour next year, at least racing. Uh, and Errol Pearson Jr. We'll have to wait for his comment as he's uh, finishing up his vacation to see what he says and what his plans are. Uh, but racing is different than any other sport or than other sports is you just have longer careers. You have more options possibly uh, just depends who, you know, obviously this also depends how successful you are. So a lot of factors play in of when a guy decides to hang it up, or if you can be like Dale McDowell and other guys that made it, you know, in their mid fifties continue racing because they're able to do that. It's just a, uh, one of those things we can't control or can't really foresee what's going to go on when they get too close to that 50 mark. But I would say right around that time is when drivers have to make that decision of, Hey, can I find a ride? Can I make, you know, collect enough money in the off season to get going again uh, compared to, you know, like a 25 year old Bobby Pierce. So very interesting to times that we have in racing right now with uh, some teams folding up. We'll have to wait and see. I think it's going to be a great 2024 season regardless. Uh, Father time always wins at the end of the day. So that's what we learned in this podcast. So great talking with you guys as we finish off with one more thing. We will start with Todd Turner leading off. I'm going to go out to Kansas where the Kansas State uh, Fair race at Hutchinson, Kansas has been a thing for 67 years, the Hutchinson Grand Nationals. Well, this year, uh, the fair board decided that they were going to do away with the racetrack and use the facility for something else. And everybody was up in arms about it. Uh, very upset from the from the racing community. That's just one of those long time events. I remember Delbert Smith and those guys out there would always talk about going out to, to Hutch uh, to those races. Well, they've gotten a reprieve perhaps. Uh, the fair board met recently and decided they're not going to take a vote on demolishing the track until January. And it sounded like maybe they're developing some uh, uh, some resistance to, to losing that racetrack. Uh, I know this is not on the, the upper levels of late model racing, but uh, for that crowd out there, it's certainly a traditional uh, event. And, uh, uh, and for those guys who've long gone to Hutchinson, uh, uh, I hope that they uh, can keep their track and keep their Grand National tradition going. Yeah, we love tradition races and keep that bad boy going. So keep fighting out there in Kansas to you know resist and try to get that race to continue. A uh, good note there, Todd. I love it. Uh, Kyle McFadden. Yeah, um, Cody Overton. He picked up a second ten thousand dollar victory over 
over the weekend in the 604 crate portion of the Turkey 100. So I think that's, I count nine wins for him this year. So, uh, and that was a pretty good field too. Uh, his brother, Brandon, Carson Ferguson, Will Roland, uh, Trent Ivy. So, um, you know, there's, there's, even though there's, there's not the, uh, we're on the back end of the season here, you know, there's, there's still results and, and some pretty decent paying races to monitor. Um, so shout out to Cody Overton and, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, just, that's my one more thing. Cody Overton, he would tell you that he is better than his brother, Brandon. I think he doesn't lack confidence in that. So congrats on the big 10 K payday. Uh, my one more thing is, uh, the news broke out. I think right after our recording last Wednesday, Gordy Gundaker going into promoting, uh, going to have a race there on NASCAR weekend, the first weekend in June. And obviously he's a racer. He, he can tell you how he wants purses to be beforehand, but he's got a pretty good thing going on uh, next year, the first weekend in June with, uh, you know, a $20,000 to win race. Uh, then you got 9000 for third, $12,000 for run-up. So he's going to try to make it uh, top heavy, you know, for the top 10 $2,500 to start. So Gordy's going to go on the other side of the fence, Kevin Kovac. Obviously, you've seen his dad and mom do it for a long time at Tri-City. Uh, let's. Uh, I think it's going to be a good deal there. I think Gordy has a lot of connection. I think a lot of people will come out and support that race. But uh, Gordy Gundaker going to the promoting business. And maybe, just maybe, if he hits a home run, that maybe he'll just be a full-time promoter. You just never know. Yeah, yeah maybe someday he becomes a, you know, he takes over Tri-City Speedway. Uh, uh, he's got he's got a good you know he's got that uh good out outgoing personality and uh you know I think he'd be uh, up for doing all kinds of uh you know in, innovative things as a promoter too so he he might, he might have some promoter in him uh, we'll have to see you know like it may like you look at him at those dome races when he's up there when he's talking on the microphone and getting people fired up like it's a wrestling match so uh, maybe he can put that into his wrestling you know into his uh his racing promotion. Um, but one, uh, like my one, one more thing, I guess. I'll, I, I don't think we mentioned this yet, but it was Max McLaughlin, a big block modified driver from the Northeast, uh, son of Mike McLaughlin, who's, uh, you know, a former NASCAR, you know, uh, Xfinity and uh, series racer and, and a bunch of other divisions too. Uh, Max is going to be running. Uh, he made a deal now to go run the World of Outlaws uh, late model series next year, make his debut there uh, as, a, as a regular in late models, um, uh, driving for GR Smith with uh, – sponsorship from his big block modified car owner al hanky uh mohawk northeast up in the uh, up in uh new york and in connecticut it's a big bridge building company other other things uh it's had some good financial backing there um it kind of came about really quickly you know like and all of a sudden here's max uh you know going with uh, with gr to go race uh what we'll see he's only got one late model start in his career a few years ago he ran orange county in uh new york with uh with Boom Briggs' second car in an outlaw race and finished eighth. Uh, we'll see what he can do. I mean, GR's, it, it had, it's been tough here so far. GR's had some uh, had some drivers drive for him. You know, Ashton Winger, Brian Shirley, uh, Peyton Freeman this past year, and hasn't gotten through the whole year. So and we, he has to, we have to, I guess everyone, everyone will be putting bets out about how long this deal will go. And I think they're all going to be wanting to, 
to, and I, I'm sure that GR and, and, and McLaughlin all see that, that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll recognize that, that that's a, a perception that'll be out there. And until they get through that whole year, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll give them some fuel to make sure they get through the whole year together. Uh, because uh, GR hasn't yet done that with uh, with the driver that he's hired to come on to run for him. So we'll see what happens. It'd be an interesting little sidelight to look at. Not only is McLaughlin running for Rookie of the Year with the Outlaws, but uh, you know, see if this is a you know the, a new GR Smith team where it goes the entire season. Yeah, uh, is the over under then June thirtieth? I guess we'll decide. That's probably the betting places for everybody. Uh, but yeah, but I hope they can make the season two. Nice to have another guy in our sport to at least start off the twenty twenty four campaign. Don't forget, we have uh, some racing this weekend. December we have the supers at Buckshot Alabama for ten game. Then we have a two day sh- show in one day there at Altex XRSS Series. Ten thousand dollars to win one show, and then twenty thousand dollars to win for that second show. So if you're in that area, be sure to go check it out as they're going to crown another champion. Bobby Pierce trying to go for his third so-called national title. Uh, All in all, great Thanksgiving for everybody. Great talk here about when is it time to hang it up or, you know, the age properly that you want to say, you know what, I'm going to continue racing. You know what, I'm not going to continue racing. But all in all, good fun. We'll see you next week on the Dirt Reporters. Thank you for watching.